This edition of Farming the Countryside is brought to you by Pivot Bio Proven. Turn to a better nitrogen. Learn more at pivotbio.com. Welcome to Farming the Countryside. I'm Andrew McRae. As a kid and young adult, Sam Goldberg was far removed from anything dealing with the farm and agriculture. However, a tragic incident in 2010 led him to change his focus to rural and agricultural America. What he has to say is worth far more than entertainment value. It may just save your life. It's our topic for this week's Farming the Countryside, brought to you by Pivot Bio. If you ask farmers what their greatest concern is this year, they will likely say rising nitrogen prices. For our farm, higher nitrogen prices and our desire to increase bushels with more sustainable farming methods led me to Pivot BioProven 40, which can produce up to the equivalent of 40 pounds of synthetic nitrogen. Our field demonstrations show an opportunity for a better ROI and a reduction of synthetic nitrogen. Turn to a better nitrogen with Pivot Bio. I hope you'll learn more. Just go to pivotbio.com. Sam Goldberg's life is quite a story, and the stories he tells are life-changing as well. As you'll hear, Sam is a movie producer from New York City, and by chance was intrigued to tell the story of a tragic accident, a grain bin entrapment. That's already saying a lot, because he admits when he began the project, he didn't even know what a grain bin was. He perhaps never imagined that the movie would have a larger impact than people simply watching it for fun. People began sharing it to help save lives, and Sam's message today is helping do just that. And he has plans to continue similar projects. Here's our conversation. Sam Goldberg is my guest. Sam is a movie producer from New York City, and we're going to talk about why he's on farming the countryside here in just a moment. There's a very good reason why. Sam, first of all, thanks for joining me. And tell uh, folks uh, maybe a little bit of your background, uh, where you got started. Sure. Thanks for having me, Andrew. Um so as you mentioned, I was actually born and bred in New York City, grew up on the Upper West Side of Manhattan. And as far back as I can remember, I wanted to be in movies. Uh, at first, it was as an actor. I grew up auditioning for film and TV commercials and radio voiceovers, starting at the age of eight and all the way until the age of 14. Uh, then at a certain point, uh, I just wanted to play basketball and be a kid and enjoy high school. But my thirst for storytelling never went away. So when I went to college in Philadelphia... I focused on English and film studies and got behind the camera and started writing and directing and producing. Uh, and so I've just been wanting to tell stories um, for as long as I can remember. And, uh, you know, by happenstance, the project that has kind of taken over my life over the last seven years or so is not a city-based story. It's it's one about rural America, which you know. So, I would like to t fill the audience in. The, the movie is Silo, and some will have heard of that. But tell me why a, a kid from New York City who's basically lived in big cities and on the East Coast all his life, how did you even find out about this topic and what resonated with you? Yeah, you know, I found about, out about it just through friends, you know, classic word of mouth. I was working on a film with a couple of writers in New York City they had just visited Nashville. They met a filmmaker there who had heard about a film, had heard about a, a grain entrapment accident and thought it might be an interesting subject for a feature film. And, you know, a film producer, you know, my job description 
I'm really a facilitator. I'm a, I'm somebody who helps an artist take a vision and an idea and turn it into a reality. So I've produced, you know, concerts. So a musician wants to play for an audience and I help pull that off. You know, I've helped produce a manuscript for a, a book, you know, a writer wants to get it on the page and I help edit it and turn it into a book. And in the case of film, which is my main passion and occupation, you know, Marshall Burnett, who had this idea, you know, he's the director of the movie. He needed somebody to kind of shepherd it along, you know, hire a screenwriter and get the crew on board and raise the money and help develop the story and help cast the actors. And um, Marshall and I met in 2014. Uh, I was working on New York City based projects at the time, just because that's what I knew, frankly. And Marshall told me about this sort of infamous, awful incident in Mount Carroll, Illinois from 2010, where three teenage boys went into a grain bin and sadly only one of them came out alive. And uh, he thought it would make a very interesting um, kind of capsule or um, viewpoint into rural America and how integrated the community is with each other. So, for example, in most of these accidents, when somebody gets trapped in a grain bin, the person that shows up to rescue them knows them, you know, often by name or at least knows their dad or their grandpa or their cousin or whomever because of small town communities, because of volunteer fire departments, etc., I found that to be an extremely compelling character story. You know, I, I, I grew up in New York City, you know, uh, you know, my relationship with fire trucks and firefighters and fire rescue really grew up around 9-11 um, and had a very different sort of deferential, respected relationship with fire departments, but not one as integrated in the community. And I just I thought that was really interesting. Um, and I also knew nothing about agriculture at the time. And I kind of felt that in this divided cultural and political atmosphere we're at in, in the country, wouldn't it be good if a, you know, a country kid like Marshall and a city kid like me can combine forces to tell a heartfelt story about the heartland that maybe could produce some empathy and destigmatize some subjects and bring people together through the power of storytelling, which is the reason I'm doing this in the first place. So, you know, I found out about it from Marshall and then what compelled me and resonated with me was just this idea that I could get out of my own comfort zone learn more about subjects that I didn't know about and then convey a story that maybe can get other people to understand those subjects as well. When you started this project, was the idea more just to tell that story or was it to help prevent accidents? Because I feel like perhaps as this project went on, now it's used to very much tell the story of why this is something dangerous and to help prevent future tragedies. Yeah. I mean, I just wanted to tell a compelling narrative to be, to be honest, you know, I just wanted to make an entertaining movie that I would want to go see that I'd want to sit in the seat in a movie theater and watch and be entertained. And if you don't have that, you know, you've got nothing. Um, and, and frankly, a lot of movies these days are mission first story second. And I think audiences pick up on that. It feels a little contrived or a little bit forced, a little bit like I'm being taught or lectured to, uh, so that was never really the goal with Silo. It just happened to be that, you know, sadly, Andrew, you know, as we're recording this two days ago, a man was rescued from a grain bin in Indiana, and that was great. But three days before that, a man died in a grain bin in Iowa. And last week, a guy died in a grain bin in Indiana. And I'm reading about these stories. They're, they're happening all the time. And so the more we got into making the story of Silo, the more people in agriculture were telling us how important this might be to the community of farm safety. And so then it kind of secondarily became a bit of a movement around awareness raising of farm safety, which 
I'm really proud of. Um, and we leaned into it. You know, we didn't avoid it. We worked with the farm rescue community. We built an educational curriculum that comes along with the film that's on our website. And so it's just been a, a very fulfilling journey personally and professionally to work on a project that feels like it can make a difference in communities. We've alluded to this, but for people that haven't seen it, obviously we want them to see the movie, but kind of tell about what is the content of that, because certainly it's about entrapment, but what all is involved in the movie? Yeah, so Silo takes place over the course of 24 hours on a small grain farm in, you know, the Corn Belt. We don't say exactly what state it's in. Um, and it follows the story of, of Cody Rose, who's an 18-year-old boy who is a farmhand uh, working before harvest season. And uh, due to a bunch of circumstances and a bad domino effect, Cody gets trapped in a grain bin. And the film is a rescue mission as to whether or not they'll get him out. But what it's really about, and the reason it's called Silo uh, and not Grain Bin, it's called Silo because it's a double entendre. It's a double meaning. It's a movie that's really about people who are siloed from each other. Even though they're living in close proximity and they should be close, they're not really communicating well. And as a result, um, this accident happens, but also this accident forces people to discuss the issues that they have with themselves and with one another. So like any good movie, it kind of exists on two levels. There's a surface plot that really keeps things moving and has an engine and is entertaining. But below that surface is kind of a deep story about people and how they interact with each other. You mentioned, of course, your background, and this was a learning opportunity for you. Obviously, there was, had to be things that you learned or surprised you in this uh, journey. Talk about that. Yeah, I mean, I started to joke that I used to be a filmmaker making a movie about agriculture and now I'm a farm guy who happened to make a film. Um, and that's how I feel these days. Uh, you know, at first, I didn't even know what a grain bin was. You know, I really didn't. I didn't realize that it was actually a, a storage unit for grain. I had no idea that a silo was for silage. You know, I didn't know really what the purpose of tractors were on some of these large farms. I mean, you're talking a guy who grew up in a couple thousand square foot apartment in a 12-story building in New York City. Um, my great grandparents grew up in New York city, you know, before them, sure. My great, actually, you know, my great grandfather, Benjamin was a chicken farmer in New Jersey that I know. Uh, I saw, found that on ancestry.com and his world war one draft ticket. That's a whole other story. But, um, you know, I just, I, I knew nothing. And I think that's a big issue in the country, probably in the world is, you know, so many people are generations removed from working on the farm they don't really understand where their, their food and their energy comes from. And they don't really understand what goes into that. And, you know, farmers are, are very humble uh, because I think they're constantly worried about things that are out of their control, you know, whether it be economic markets or the weather, which, as we know, is probably the most prominent thing on the mind of farmers 12 months out of the year. Uh, and so it's just been kind of cool to really become an outsider's insider into the industry. You know, I came at it from a story perspective, but in order to make sure we told that story well, I had to really integrate myself into the community and really learn so that I wouldn't come off as just a Yankee who is popping in and then popping out, not really caring about authenticity. So I'm most proud of the fact that when people watch Silo, they say that it's authentic. Number one thing that I'm most proud of is that farmers watch it, firefighters watch it, people who grew up in small towns watch it and they say it rings true to life, that alone was a win for us. 
I know that your business isn't actually to be out there on the farm and do farm safety, but yet you have a movie that is about this subject. What would you tell people in the country about entering grain bins or silos, if you if you will? I mean, what's the thing that we need to keep in, in uh, memory? Because, as you mentioned, there's been accidents just in the, the last week or couple of weeks. You know, I, I posted this on our social media yesterday because I was pretty emotional writing about this uh, this recent accident. The guy was rescued, but he was just lucky. I mean, he, he was buried up to his neck. Like this guy, nine out of 10 times would not have made it home to his family. And so, listen, people are going to have to go into their grain bins and they're going to have to check on their silos. Grain goes out of condition for a multitude of reasons, you know, or something happens technically where you have to check it out. I'd be lying if I said never go in the bin. It's optimal, but it's not realistic for a lot of people. If you're going to go into a grain bin, you should 100% have a harness and harness up if that's possible. You can get a harness for $100 to $200. You can get a used one for less. You can call your local fire company. They'll probably gift you one. It takes like two minutes to harness up. And I know the day is busy, but it's two minutes. It's not the end of the world. You, You can do it. Somebody can do that. Even if you're not going to harness up, tell at least two people you're going into the bin. Call your wife. Call the farmhand. I I said yesterday on our social media post, call one of the volunteer firefighters or send out a mass text message. FYI, I've got some out-of-condition grain. I'm going into my bin. If you don't hear from me in 20 minutes, call. You know, just make sure somebody at least knows you're going in there because, you know, I've I've got, you know, an eight-acre property now in Pennsylvania. And every now and again, I'll get on the tractor and I make sure I tell my wife, let our daughter know that I'm out on the tractor because I can't hear a, a damn thing, you know? And what if she comes running out looking for me? You know, you just have to do these small, simple precautions that can save your life. So at the very least, bare minimum, do those things. After that, there's a lockout tag out mechanism to make sure people can't turn on the auger when you're in the bin uh, and a host of other things that you could check out on a variety of websites, which, you know, maybe we can link to or talk about. You know, in this discussion, you know, the Grain Handling Safety Coalition, they have incredible, grainsafety.org is their website, incredible resources all about grain safety. So, you know, if you're a farmer and you want to know more, you can literally just Google grain safety practices. You'll have unlimited resources to make sure you're doing things safely. In the cases that you've been around, what is it that gets people in trouble? Is it because that auger gets turned on then and then it begins to slowly bring people under? Is it the the grain that goes out of condition and then there's kind of a a fall through type of thing that happens? It's mostly collapsed grain. Yeah, the auger accidents are few and far between. They are awful and avoidable. And when they happen, it creates a host of other issues in the community because sadly, there's an actual individual who's had to flip a switch that's caused a death or an accident. Um, So that's why lockout tagout is so important to make sure that you let people know you're in there and you lock the auger up and people know, okay, someone's in the bin. But most of the time it's out of condition grain uh, where, you know, it looks like there's a nice bed of corn you can walk on and then there's a hole beneath it and it collapses into that pocket. Or a lot, a lot of the time that I'm reading about is definitely those large sort of stalagmite corn or, or, or soy pieces up against a wall and they just collapse on top of somebody if they hit it with a stick or if they even step near it. So you know, out of condition grain is it's just incredibly unstable and unpredictable, you know, so it's like getting on a motorcycle on a really bumpy, dirty road without a helmet. You got to do something. You got to take a, a variety of precautions. You mentioned some of your partners or different websites and resources. I want to make sure that you have a moment to, to reference those. 
Well, I really think, you know, not to be self-serving, but we've done our best with Silo to provide all the resources in a consolidated space on our website. So if people go to silothefilm.com, S-I-L-O-T-H-E-F-I-L-M, silothefilm.com, you have educational curriculum, which links to Green Handling Safety Coalition's website. You have a variety of nonprofits working in this space that you could donate to or just learn about. And then you have all the ways that you can watch the movie. You know, it's it's on Amazon Prime. It's on Hulu. It's on Vudu. You can stream it from our website, buy a DVD, host a screening in your town. I love when people host screening events because then they pull together everybody in the community and you can learn, you know, you have FFA kids learning about it. You've got older farmers, you've got firefighters, you've got, you know, ministers and priests. You've got the whole community getting together and kind of becoming a bit of a brain trust around how they can improve life in a farm community. And that's the ultimate goal of the film is to get people in a room talking about issues. Um, You know, I, I stream plenty of stuff, you know, online, but I don't think there's anything that can replace the in-person movie going experience because it builds community. So how did this experience then impact what you were going to do forward movie making? I know we're going to talk about a project that involves farm, but did you suddenly say, I want to do totally farm or did, how did it influence them what you did on the production side? Yeah. So when I started working on silo, I was developing about 15 different film and TV shows in a variety of stages of development. Some were scripts, some were at studios, some were being produced. And Silo hooked me so hard that I called my business partner and I said, I'm not working on anything else until Silo gets made. And then once I went really deep into Silo, it became clear to me, uh, I'd say three things. One is what I mentioned earlier, which is I'd like to use these stories to build a bridge between rural and urban America. And there are so few films made about rural America that I felt like this was an important thing to do to produce empathy for that community. Two, there, is so, there are so few movies about rural America that there's a really a business opportunity there as well, right? Like it's very hard to make noise in the movie business. There's so much content. There's so many movies. You know, I do want to be able to make a living doing this. And if I could find a really you know, exciting niche to dive into, I could raise money around it and I can call investors or I could get companies involved and say, Hey, you know, it's possible to actually, you know, make a living and do good by making these films. And then third, I just find it to be a, such an underrepresented community creatively that they're just unbelievable stories to tell. Um, and I think if you kind of look at farm life, as a microcosm of what's happening in the wider world of industry, of environmentalism, of social life, it's a really rich area to delve into to just learn more about humanity today in 2022. Um, and that's why, you know, when making Silo to kind of segue to the next project, you know, I had a lot of people request that we work on a film specifically related to mental health and agriculture. Um, Uh, You know, farmers, sadly, are taking their own lives about three times uh, as much as the national average. Uh, So it's sort of like an epidemic um, within the community. And uh, the writer of Silo, Jason and myself, we wanted to really come up with a way to tell a story that tackled the subject of suicide in farming. That wasn't just about that. That was also entertaining and also lighthearted but also real and serious and dealt with, you know, the dramatic circumstances of a family farm going through trauma. And so we've come up with an idea for that. Um, It's a project called Perfect Sundays, uh, and we are developing it now into a six-part limited television series that we're hoping to film in the next couple of years. And it's specifically about a dairy operation that's struggling to stay afloat, 
that's dealt with some major sort of internal family trauma related to mental health and how they are picking up the pieces and working with each other to try and save the farm, but also on some level, save themselves. Uh, it's a very compelling story. It's, I can't wait to go make this one. It's, it's special. So what is the timeline then for that movie? You're just in the early stages, it sounds like. You know, it's, I, it's mid-early stages. Thankfully, we have a script, and that's crucial. So we have the pilot episode written. We have an outline for the entire six-episode series. If somebody said to me, tomorrow, here's the money, here are all the actors, go film, we could. Um, but, you know, like a lot of subjects, um, it's, a, it's actually a uh, – what's the word I'm looking for? It's a season-dependent project, so we have to shoot in the spring or, or the summer – because it's just a story that takes place in the spring or summer, unless we go film in Hawaii or Florida or somewhere else. But I don't think that's going to happen. Um, although you never know. Uh, and so, you know, we've got the script. We've got what we call the the series Bible, the series outline. And we are having some cool conversations with companies that might want to get involved and help fund the film. Um, and we have some pretty exciting partnerships developing here in Pennsylvania to get the project moving in a unique direction. You know, Silo, just to take a step back, Silo was made because the agricultural community embraced the film. You know, we made very unique partnerships. We weren't, we're not Warner Brothers. You know, we didn't come in with boatloads of money where we could just make a movie and not even worry about it. We had to really, really hustle and pinch pennies. But thankfully, uh, we had so many partners help us make that project. In particular, Affinity Farms, which is the Pottinger's family farm in uh, central Kentucky. Uh, they let us film on their farm for free and they let us kind of take over for two months during the summer of 2018, which was, you know, without that, we never could have made this film. Uh, we also partnered with Dale Dobson, Commissioner Ryan Quarles, and the Kentucky Department of Agriculture. They provided us extras, EMTs, fire trucks, police cars, you name it. They saved us tens if not hundreds of thousands of dollars in costs by being such a partner to us and really supporting farm safety. And then we partnered with Sukup Manufacturing Company, who are the largest family-owned grain bin and grain dryer company in the world based in northern Iowa. And they built all of our grain bin sets for free. And they really came to the table and a fantastic sort of corporate-private partnership for storytelling because they just believe in grain safety and they're just an amazing family-owned company that is very philanthropic and giving charitable. And that is how we want to approach this next project the same way. You know, if we could partner with the you know Pennsylvania Department of Ag or, or other departments of agriculture or corporations, farmers, you know, I, I'm not just doing that because it would save money, which is necessary because we're, you know, this will be a small business essentially, um, but also because it's the best way to make a project. It keeps things authentic. It keeps everyone grounded. Every day on the set of Silo, we had a farmer or a firefighter there. We can say, hey, does that look authentic or does it smell fishy? And they would tell us and we would change a line in the movie or we would harness a rope differently so it looked authentic. And I want to do the exact same thing with the Perfect Sundays project um, and have those similar relationships with the dairy community, the agricultural community at large, um, and then in this case with the mental health community. Uh, so we have advisors who are helping us on the project as well to make sure that we do things sensitively and, and intelligently when it comes to focusing on that subject. Sam, before we wind up, how can people follow what you're doing and follow the projects, whether it's Silo or the upcoming project? What's the best way to keep tabs? So SiloTheFilm.com is a great place to go. S-I-L-O-T-H-E-F-I-L-M, SiloTheFilm.com. We're also on all social media at SiloTheFilm. 
So our Facebook page is really where we're most active and we have a lot of followers and we keep people posted as to what we're up to. And then frankly, if any of your listeners want to connect with me, my, my email is sam at silothefilm.com, sam at silothefilm.com. I always love hearing farm stories and connecting with people. And, uh, you know, as we're starting to build this next project, you know, the more people we bring under the umbrella to figure that one out, the better. Um, because, you know, it's early days, but we've got to build the foundation and that's what we're doing now. Sam, I appreciate the time and appreciate what you're doing uh, for Rural and Farm America, city kid uh, out here in the farm now. City kid gone good. I mean, I'm trying my best. I'm trying to get some chickens and sheep here over the next couple of years. I got a vegetable garden growing, you know, here in the summer and the fall. So I want my daughter to look look out and be like, okay, I'm going to go pull some weeds instead of, um, you know, whatever else I was doing in the city at her age. So that's that's the goal. Thank you very much. Thanks, Andrew. Perhaps you're like me and work around grain regularly. Hopefully, Sam's message and this movie helps us think about what we do and to do it safely. I recall the last two items my father, yet to this day, usually tells myself and those of us on the farm. He will say, take your time and be careful. In a business in which it's easy for us to get in a hurry, safety is critical. And let's face it, a farm has many potential safety hazards, so I hope you'll take the time to do the right thing. That's all the time we have for this week's show. Remember, you can hear all of our shows at farmingthecountryside.com and on many local radio stations or your favorite podcast platform. And you can follow Farming the Countryside on Facebook as well. I appreciate you listening. I'm Andrew McRae. I'll catch you next time on Farming the Countryside. This edition of Farming the Countryside has been brought to you by Pivot Bio Proven. Turn to a better nitrogen. Learn more at pivotbio.com.